Welcome to SickCast, brought to you by Sick Research Institute, illuminating every path. In today's episode, Harinder Singh and Harvinder Singh Phulka delve into the enduring need for legal action 39 years after the 1984 Sikh genocide, orchestrated by the Indian government. This conversation explores the ongoing pursuit of justice, the achieved outcomes, and the ways in which both Sikhs and non-Sikhs can contribute to the cause in Punjab, Inspora, and the diaspora. From Sikh, Punjabi, Indian, and international perspectives, their discussion spans a wide spectrum of themes central to understanding and addressing this historical injustice. and greetings of the day. It is 31st October 2023, 39 years ago, anti-Sikh violence started on this day in New Delhi and throughout India. This is Sikh Research Institute's Sikh cast on 1984 genocide, relentless pursuit of justice in Indian courts. I'm Harinder Singh, Senior Fellow and Innovation Director at Sikri. I'm joined by Mr. Harvinder Singh Fulka, who's a Senior Supreme Court of India advocate, widely recognized for his exceptional work as human rights activist child rights advocate, social activist, and legislator. He champions many Sikh and Punjab causes as well. Before we begin our conversation, let us refresh our memory on what is already established by journalists, authors, and courts. In order to do that, this is so we can share the top direct courts for level setting for this conversation with Mr. Fulka before I engage with him. So the number one, Court is that for the first time, I understood the words like pogrom, holocaust, and genocide really meant. This was Kushwan Singh's quote. Number two, Delhi violence was well-planned and well-organized. Economic and Political Weekly wrote that. Number three, the attacks on the members of the Sikh community in Delhi were the outcome of a well-organized plan marked by acts of both deliberate commission and omission by important politicians of the Congress and by authorities in the administration. This was written by Who Are the Guilty, one of the first books. Fourth, it was also felt that the Delhi police was not only negligent in protecting the Sikhs and their properties, but probably connived at or instigated such attacks. This was recorded by Justice Nanavati Commission of Inquiry. Number five, Identification of Sikh shops and houses was done in a systematic way by first persons moving in scooters, in matadors, or even on foot as if making a survey of the place. Second, checking up names and addresses of Sikh students from school registers. Third, with the help of ration cards and voters lists. And fourth, by marking Sikh houses, documented by Citizens for Democracy. Number six, the initial knee-jerk response had given way to what have appeared to be a more systematic and organized outbreak of bloodletting. Six were stabbed, burned, and butchered to death. BBC concluded that. Number seven, the prime minister's assassination was seized upon as an opportune psychological pretext to those bent on exploiting the tension for political and material gains to trigger off a massive, deliberate, planned onslaught on the life, property, and honor of comparatively small, but easily identifiable minority community. This is a statement of former Chief Justice of India, S.M. Sikri. Number eight, two lessons can be drawn from the experiences of the Delhi riots. I know, for the asterisk riots, we'll talk about this a little later. One is about the extent of criminalization of our politics, and the other about the utter unreliability of our police force in critical situation. This was recorded by Justice V.M. Tarkonde in the report to the nation, Truth About Delhi Violence. And number nine is, the criminals responsible for mass crimes have enjoyed political patronage and managed to evade prosecution and punishment. Bringing such criminals to justice poses a serious challenge to our legal system. As these appeals themselves demonstrate, 
decades pass by before they can be made answerable. This calls for strengthening the legal system. Neither crimes against humanity nor genocide is part of our domestic law of crime. This loophole needs to be addressed urgently. This was recorded by Justices Murli and Goel in Delhi Court High Court verdict on Sajjan Kumar in 2016. Polkaji, it's been 39 years. Systematic and widespread targeted violence throughout India, throughout Punjab, in what we now call Inspora. Let's hone in on Delhi. I first met you in Delhi in November 1996 after reading an Outlook magazine recognized the 50 persons who made a difference in society in October of 96. But now it is 2023. Three commissions later, eight committees later, and two special investigation teams later, we are in November 2023 now. Before I begin my question, I want to set this up and welcome you now. Uh, thank you for making time to join us in this important conversation. Thank you for giving me this opportunity and uh, uh, my respect to all your views, please. Pulkaji, uh, justice has many forms and today we are going to focus on the legal justice in the courts in India. Uh, how would you describe November 1984 for an international audience? Who planned it? Why was it done? And how was it implemented? You see, by now it is uh, very clear we have enough evidence to show that this was planned by Mrs. Gandhi herself. This was the, the genocide of the six. You see, now we call it a genocide. In 1984, genocide word was not so common. Even the um, UNO had adopted this convention of genocide after that. At that time, it was called Holocaust, it was called uh, Bazaar, and Justice uh, S.M. Sikri had given it a name of a carnage, that it was a carnage. Now, since the genocide world is uh, international level accepted the term, oh, it was a genocide. It uh, falls within the definition of genocide and satisfy all the requirements uh, uh, of uh, uh, genocide. This genocide was planned by Mrs. Gandhi during her lifetime. Uh, it, there is sufficient evidence to show, like you have mentioned, that it was pre-planned. It is not spontaneous. It is not at 31st October, uh, after the uh, shooting of Mrs. Gandhi or after the killing of Mrs. Gandhi, this kind of a planning is not possible within a, a, a span of a few hours. It's not possible. And now, the point is, when was it planned? It was planned many months before Mrs. Gandhi's uh, death. Uh, it, uh, recently, a book has been published by a GBS Sidhu, who was uh, in the intelligence agency at that time. And he had clearly mentioned in that book that in the month of September, he mentioned to his director that there is a threat to Mrs. Gandhi. And his director turned out and said that if this happens, then there will be a large-scale killing of the Sikhs in Delhi. So that clearly shows that it was already planned by that time. So now it makes it very, very clear that the planning was at least sometime in August, September. Everything was kept ready. Now these list of the Sikh houses, they can't be uh, can't be made in few hours because the Singh name is very common. Rajputs also use Singh name. Jars also use Singh name. Merely by writing the name Singh, like you mentioned from the school records, merely by taking out the list of the names of the students whose name is Singh, that is, there is no guarantee that they say Singh. But they had the precise list of Singh houses. Mm -hmm. Like, if you recall, uh, the ex-Prime Minister Mramon Singh's daughter has written in the book that his house was in uh, uh, this Ashokvihar uh, uh, area. The mob came to his house and his son-in-law, who is a Hindu, he stood outside the house. He said, no, this house belongs to me. They say in the list that in our list, this house belongs to a Sikh. So there are many instances like it. Uh, Mr. K.K. Vinugapal, the Attorney General who is uh, till recently, till the uh, Last year, he was Attorney General of India. He has given his affidavit that he was a tenant in a house. That house, his landlord was a Sikh. So they came to attack his house. 
So he told them that I am living here. It's a, it's a now, it's a my luggage, my goods. So they had the precise. So this cannot be done within uh, within hours. It was a pre-planned, and this planning was done during the lifetime of Mrs. Gandhi, and it was only executed after her death. Well, thank you for sharing that. You are very clearly citing in your own experience and others that no Sikh was actually being spared regardless of their statuses in the society, in the administration, in the government. Uh, Fulkaji, uh, as a lawyer, you've been part of the prosecution of cases in Delhi courts. I want to ask you, what did you expect to achieve from the get-go? You see, the point is, uh, from I mean, uh, I started doing these cases from 1984 itself. In last week of November 84, I started going to the relief camps, and the first case I filed in the Delhi High Court of the, the orphan children was in December uh, 1984. I mean, from 85 itself, when the Mishra Commissioner was appointed, I have been answering this question. Then what do you expect? I say my expectation is that the law of the land should be in fact, enforced. As per the law, the guilty should be punished and the victim are entitled to get justice. They should be given justice. And when I was asked that, do you have hope? I said, I don't know. As a lawyer, my duty is to pursue my case. Hmm. What the result of it, either the judge knows or the God knows. So uh, with, this, with this motto, we have been fighting this case. It's been taken long. Now, recently, one uh, judge, only retired judge, he asked me, he said, what will happen? Uh, so much time has passed. I said, you, uh, few years back, say five years back, six years back, who could say that after 34 years, one powerful member of parliament would be punished and he's in jail? Some people have this impression that Sajjan Kumar is released. No, he's still in jail. This was the second case against him in which he is acquitted. But in the main case, Delhi Kent case, he is still in jail for since last five years. One MLA has been punished. He, after four years in the jail, he died last year. One councillor, he has been punished. It's been 10 years that he is in jail. There are some other. Who could say that after 30, 34, 35 years? And who could say after 39 years, the charge sheet and the murder case would be uh, uh, would be started against uh, Jigdish Tractor. So you never know. Man, I, I believe in it. Keep on trying. Whatever is the result, it, it's in the hand of uh, hand of God. So my duty is to keep trying. And, and you've been very consistent on that, and you have been as <laughs> that's why I'm calling this for for 39 years. In fact, he just. Let me do a question. I'll bring in even the recent conversation which is happening in New Delhi on this. Uh, India's Home Minister Amit Shah addressed a meeting conducted by Delhi Sikhurdwara Management Committee. He said that community has found justice over the 1984 anti-Sikh genocide only after 2014 when BJP came to power. Now, overall, there have been 650 cases were filed with the Delhi police. In February of 2015, a new special investigating team was constituted, which recommended the closure of 241 cases. You are well aware of this. This is for our audience. However, the Supreme Court asked a two-member team of retired judges to reopen those cases. Contradicting uh, Shah's assertion that justice was delivered only after the BJP came to power, the BJP's own Minister of State for Home, Hari Bhai Prate Bhai Chaudhary, stated in Rajya Sabha that 440 people have been convicted until date and a compensation of worth equivalent to 9 million US dollars has been distributed to families of victims. That's today's value. So my, my question is that under the BJP's rule in 2018, the courts upheld convictions of 70 out of 89 people involved in the genocide, but barring one high profile leader, Sajjan Kumar, as you mentioned, no senior leader or mastermind of the genocide Genocide has been convicted. Some of these leaders are now dead from natural causes. The genocide is clearly summed up with the justice delayed is justice denied. No political party should be able to score brownie points over it. The speech was BJP's outreach to six where the intent was not justice, but to please community. 
in this context where this has been brought up politically, what has been achieved? What, how many number of convictions have already been done and how many are pending personally pursuing? You see now, uh, among the leaders, I'm not talking about the general uh, masses who participated. Among the leaders, there were only seven, eight uh, who are uh, alive now. Men mm -hmm. like uh, the Sajjan Kumar, he is convicted in 2018, he is in jail. Like the Samuel Mitra Jadav, he was convicted uh, only for three years in 2013, that was during the Congress time. But now, in 2018, he is, was a water life imprisonment, he died in jail after four years. This The other is Balvan Khokar, the uh, counselor, he got life imprisonment, he was given life imprisonment uh, in 2013, while it was the Congress rule. Now, other leaders are concerned. Jigdish uh, Titler, there are three times the closure reports were filed by the, by the CBI. And the last closure report was filed in 2015 when it was uh, the Congress rule. Oh, sorry, it was the BJP rule. And all three times we got these closure reports rejected from the courts. Now, after 39 years, recently, a few months back, the charge sheet has been filed against Jigdish Titler by the CBI. The other leader who remains is now the Kamalnath. Against Kamalnath, allegations are that he was leading the mob which attacked Gurdwara Kapgan Sahib. Gurdwara Kapgan Sahib is right next. It shares the wall with the Parliament House, right next to Parliament House. And it is a Gurdwara of Gurteg Bhadar Sahib. Kamalnath was leading the mob, Gurdwara was set on fire, and two Sikhs were burnt alive over there. And we have independent witnesses to depose against Kabbalah. Uh, Sanjay Suri, who was that time working in Indian Express, now he's uh, working uh, with CNN and posted in London. He came all the way from London to give his evidence that he's seen the Kabbalah. But even the murder case against Kabbalah is not even started yet. So this is the position as far as the uh, leaders are concerned. Well, thank you for sharing that uh, with our audience and to put it on the record, you know, the leaders versus the non-leaders, the people who are in charge of these. I'm going to continue with this thread because we're trying to understand what has happened till date. And the question of compensation keeps coming up. It was brought up again in the last couple of weeks uh, when the National Commission for Minorities held a virtual meeting. I think it was at the chief secretaries, home secretaries, and the minority department secretaries of Delhi, Jammu and Kashmir, and eight states on action taken by them for granting compensation to 1984 Sikh victims. Now, I know compensation... There are people who say it shouldn't happen. There are people who say it should happen. We're not going to get into that. I'm interested in the compensations and its mechanisms and what's being pursued. So NCM chairman, Sadar Iqbal Singh Lalpura, and the members, Sayyid Shahzadi and Rinchan Amo and commission officials held this meeting. And uh, in this meeting, the commission requested that the 10 states and union territories to furnish updated status and additional information on compliance of the Ministry of Home Affairs orders uh, between, uh, I think one was in 2016 and one in 2014 for granting compensation and relief to the victims. Now, I wanna ask you, what is the real compensation story before it gets uh, bogged down into the political games? In 1985, the Rajiv Gandhi government had declared the compensation for each person killed 10,000 rupees. Mm -hmm. And for the house which is partly damaged, 5,000 rupees. The house which is totally damaged, totally damaged means the roof has fallen, uh, 10,000 rupees. And for the injuries, 2,000 rupees. So then in 1986, after Mishra Commission recommendation, the uh, death compensation was enhanced from 10,000 to additional 10,000. So 20,000 for death. So now 20,000 is such a meager amount which was mm. given at that time. Everything is lost and the other member is lost and just 20,000. Then the Delhi High Court. We fought in the Delhi High Court in 1996. Mm. Justice Anil Dev Singh gave the judgment that 3.5 lakh compensation should be given. 20,000 is already paid. 3 lakh 30,000 should be paid. Now, that was paid only in Delhi. Some other states uh, 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 paid it, but, all, but most of the states didn't pay it. 
Then, in, after the Nanavati Commission in 2006, 350,000 compensation, the uh, Manmohan Singh government, the Congress government, declared for killing. Then, in between, Justice Gita Mittal judgment, this was uh, uh, 2000, uh, 2001, Justice Gita Mittal judgment, Manjit Anand case, that uh, compensation for injuries, which was paid 2000, that should be paid 125,000. Hmm. So, that was also in Delhi alone. So, during this uh, Manmohan Singh's government, 2006, after Nanavati Commission's report, uh, the 3.5 lakh for the, for the killing, uh, uh, killing was paid and 1.25 lakh for the injuries. So, then after that, in 2018, uh, the then Home Minister in this, uh, the present BJP government, Rajnath, First, he, uh, in, uh, he said this uh, 1984 was a genocide. That is the first time a senior government functionary endorsed and recognized it as a, as a genocide. Thereafter, the Delhi High Court in his judgment also said it's a genocide. Now, it's very clear that it, is, it was a genocide. Now, he declared 5 lakh rupees compensation for the killing throughout India. So, this, in Delhi... 5 lakh additional was given and all over in other states where the 3.5 lakh was uh, uh, given there, there, the compensation of 5 lakh additional compensation was given. Now, the minority commission which is asking that those states in which this 5 lakh compensation has not been dispersed is asking about the figures from those states because this amount is to be paid by the central government but to be dispersed by the state governments. Well, thank you for sharing that. Obviously, you've been pursuing this and you're living and breathing the numbers and the names and the different administrations, regardless of which political party they came from, and how this has been growing and how it started out uh, at a meager, almost joking amount of 10,000 rupees to now almost going to uh, 5 lakh 12, plus. 12 lakh in Delhi. 12 lakh in Delhi. Oh. And uh, now in other states, 8.5 lakh in other, other states. Thank you. Thank you for pursuing that and sharing that with us. I mean, there is no value to life, but the families and survivors uh, in their conditions, uh, at least some level of, this is part of justice. Justice is, has many elements and compensations are part of it. And it's globally treated, even in America, they've been talking about from the slavery days and the civil war days, how it can be done. And there's so many conversations happening on this front. Uh, Folka ji, I want to ask you that who has helped along this way? Which individuals, which political parties, who has also blocked this? You've been at it for 39 years. So please share with us six, non-six individuals, politicians helping, who has been allied and others. You see, I don't want to give my opinion, but I want to give you the facts. The yes. facts is that when in uh, when uh, this uh, happened, when the, uh, this uh, genocide started on 1st of November, there was many uh, social activists, non-sick activists who tried to stop it. When they couldn't stop it, on 2nd November, uh, a peace march was taken out. Chandar Shekhar led that peace march. And there was various uh, journalists uh, and uh, professors, uh, they, they joined him in, in that peace march. Then. Mm -hmm. Jait Malani, Justice Tarkunde, Venu Gopal, and many advocates collected in the Supreme Court. Supreme Court was closed, but they decided, they uh, uh, assembled there in the robes, and they decided to march towards the East Delhi area, which is the worst affected area. So in the robes, the Supreme Court senior advocates went towards the, went in East Delhi to somehow to, uh, uh, to try and attempt to stop this violence. Then after that, uh, the first report which came is of PGCL and PGDR. PGDR, uh, Govinda Makhote was the president of PGDR at that time. Rajini Kuthadi was the president of PGCL at that time. Then after that, the second report which came was the report of Justice Sikri Commission. Justice Sikri was the former Chief Justice of India. Justice Sikri, Badruddin Tiyabji and uh, uh, Gurbachan Singh, former ambassador, they, they, and Govind Narayan. The, uh, the former ambassador, they were all the members. So that report came. 
that was the second report. Third report which came was the Justice Tarkundi's report. Justice Tarkundi is the former judge of Bombay High Court. So these three reports, uh, they came out, which uh, earlier the government was not even giving the, the total figure of the killings. They had brought out somehow the large-scale massacre. The government mm -hmm. has said it is only few instances where the Sikhs have distributed the sweets. There the, uh, they were attacked. But these people showed these reports how systematically it was attacked all over. Then Mishra Commission was appointed in May 1985. After the appointment of Mishra Commission, I was a very young lawyer, just three years experience. I was just 29 years old at that time. I went to all these people and I say, let's form a joint front. Rajiv Gandhi government was very powerful. Rajiv Gandhi had three-fourth majority. So uh, it was decided to have a non-political joint front. So that a committee was formed. Its name was Citizen Justice Committee. Justice S.M. Sikri, the former Chief Justice of India, became the secretary of that. Justice Tarkunde, uh, Govinda Mukhoti, PGDR, uh, PGCL President uh, Rajini Kothadi, then uh, Soli Sarabji, who became the Attorney General of India later on two times, Justin Rula, General Roda, Kushwant Singh, and uh, they all became the, became the members. And I was made the member secretary of uh, this, uh, this uh, body. And uh, this uh, uh, mission, then all this body was primarily to present the case of the victims before Mishra Commission. So after that, the main thing, now, if you are asking me, then these, gets, uh, these cases, they picked up momentum when hmm. Madhulal Khrana became the chief minister of this. Madhulal Khrana again formed a committee. And he said, because the guilty have not been punished, so uh, he formed another uh, uh, one more committee. I was the member of that com committee also. So that committee also recommended. Then thereafter, when the Nanavati Commission was uh, uh, constituted, Nanavati report when it was given, it was the Congress government during Murmur Singh government. The, uh, initially, the government rejected all the recommendations. Nanavati recommended to start the criminal cases against these Titan and Sajjan Kumar. Government rejected all the recommendations. Then, for three days, on 8th August 2005, 9th August 2005, and 10th August 2005, for three days, the parliament did not function. Opposition parties, across the party line, every opposition party, except Congress, even that time, the Congress's own allies, they also went against uh, the government. That time, Manmohan Singh government was with the support of it was a monotic government. The CPM and CPI had supported them. That time, CPM and CPI totally stood in our thing. I had many meetings with Brinda Krat, who was the leader of CPM. Her husband, Prakash Krat, was at that time the chief of uh, the CPM. So Brinda Krat took material from me and they told, uh, and they, they took up in the meeting that this is the material against these culprits. And in spite of this material, government has decided not to uh, register these cases. So the government was forced. Ultimately, Manmohan Singh government had to agree. On 11th August, throughout the day, the, the, the debate on 84 uh, went on in the, in the parliament. And after that, Manmohan Singh had to announce hmm. the resignation of uh, Jigdish Titer, who was the sitting minister at that time, and uh, the registration of criminal case against Sajjan Kumar and Jagdish Titan. Now, these are those cases in which Sajjan Kumar is in jail now. Right. And against Titler, the case has started now. Right. This is the, the facts, some of the facts which I have given you. Well, thank you for sharing some of the names and it's kind of you to focus on the positives. My intention in asking was that incredible allyship which crosses parties which crosses do you want to know that do you want to know the negatives also well i was uh, pursuing it from an angle of who was blocking these efforts the, the blocking these efforts in 1985 this was during madhala prana's uh, time when yes. the, when justice tingra the case went before him and one witness came and uh, deposed before the before the court that pagat was leading the mob 
Justice Tingra immediately issued warrants of HKL Pagat. Now, after Pagat tried his best, but he couldn't block it. Justice Tingra sent Pagat to jail. I was there in the court on that day. I, along with my two juniors, I know the circumstances, uh, I mean, how they attacked Justice Tingra and how they even tried to attack us. Uh, us. I mean, we don't have the time to explain all this. Sure. But after that, the same very witness on the next date of hearing, she backtracked. She backtracked, turned hostile. She said, no, I have not seen, uh, seen Pakht. And so who was responsible for it? The member of the Gurdwara Committee of Akali Dal, member of Gurdwara Committee who was made in charge of these cases, who were made responsible to take care of the victims and to bring them to the court. He was responsible, who took money from Pagat and uh, forced her to turn hostile. Thereafter, that particular member was summoned before the Kaltakat and Jathir Pai Singh declared him a Tankhaya. But you will be surprised, in spite of declaring him a Tankhaya in 1996, after that, he has occupied many positions in the Delhi Sikhurdara Committee. Even today, he is the Vice President of Delhi Sikhurdara Management Committee. ji, thank you for sharing that. It is known in the Sikh world, some of these elements, but uh, what people may not understand is, and which is why I'm asking, is that witness intimidation uh, is a very common tactic. And then Sikh politics, Punjab politics, Delhi politics, Indian politics, cross-party, oppositional politics, they all have been playing a both negative and a positive role. But you have been pursuing it from a legal inspiration angle, legal pursuit and justice, and you, know, you have stayed the course. I, I do want people to know that everything is not hunky-dory. There are so many efforts which are made in order to even get one hearing right, one conviction right, uh, and some of these blockages uh, happened with the witness intimidation and the uh, Akali Sikh leaders as well. Uh, I actually want to ask you a personal question at this point. You know, why did you start this? I remember asking you this long time ago in your office in 96, uh, but I want our audience to know, why did you start this effort? What was your source of inspiration? What were your conversations happening in your home when you were a young lawyer in Chandigarh and you decided to come to Delhi? Mm. No, uh, I was in Delhi in 1984. I did my law from Chandigarh and I was practicing mm. in Delhi when it happened. And uh, in my book, when it reached Delhi, I have a written all my experience, how reckless uh, escape I had. My house was also attacked. But you want to know uh, uh, what, uh, when, uh, how it started. You see, there was so much of anger that how this could happen to us. That also right in the capital of this country. Yeah. And uh, um, so uh, we had planned, in fact, to go back to Punjab. Our family, my and my in-laws, all were in Punjab. And my wife, before our marriage, we were married only for a year then. She was uh, teaching, uh, she was in university, in uh, Louisiana University. So we were planning to go back and settle in Punjab. Uh, this was around 20th of November that we came back to Delhi to pick up our luggage. And next day, on 21st or 22nd, I was in the court when uh, uh, I was told that some lawyers are leaders in the relief camps. So it was, I went to the relief camp, so I saw the plight of the victims over there. And from, uh, and the relief camps was uh, looked after by uh, members of Nagarika Itamanch. They were the group of professors and journalists who were uh, taking care of the relief camps. And so I, they told me that we desperately need the lawyers and please keep on coming here. So that day, then I told my wife that lawyers are needed here and we have been fortunate that, uh, that we are alive, but there are families who have lost everything. Mm -hmm. So we decided that we will stay back for some time till this work is done. It's not that we decided that we will pursue this case. It's three-year experience lawyer. How can you even think of doing that? So we decided to stay back for a few months mm -hmm. so to contribute whatever little little I can. That is how uh, I had started. And thereafter, when uh, Mishra Commission uh, was appointed, when the Sitting Justice Committee was formed, when I was made the secretary, then thereafter this, 
the whole thing started. Well, this is important for our audience to know because, you know, nobody, many a time we don't know, like in your case, that this will you be see, a I tell long pursuit. I tell you, mm -hmm. I have narrated this too many times in the colleges and the, to the students. I, I said, if, I mean, you will get opportunities in your life. And yeah. opportunity. Wherever you get an opportunity to serve the humanity, don't miss it. Whatever little you may, don't, don't uh, find a big opportunity. Whatever yeah. little you are getting, you should not miss it. You should do it. Like I had gone uh, to do my bit, little bit of it. I had gone to uh, hand over a book to the seniors who were arguing this matter. When I, that time, I didn't know that one day I'll be standing over here and I'll be arguing and I'll be the main person. I had absolutely no idea. So if the if you have faith in the Kalpur Kinvagru, whatever what opportunity you are doing, don't miss it. Don't try to find the big opportunities, even small. If the God has to take some big work from you, he will himself make the path. Well, so this is... I, I started doing small, small, small. And this is what my experience. And then another my experience is that if you are doing it, you should feel that you are doing it for him, not for any, any individual, not for the panth, not for the cow. Hmm. There is he who is much above the panth, much above the cow. You are doing it for him. Then expect reward from him. Do not expect from anybody. Do not expect from Panth. Do not expect from Kam. And my experience is, Jido dinda na chappad paar ke dinda. He has given me enough. He has given me enough. Enough. Much more than what I deserve. And what most people don't know is that you have been pursuing 1984 cases as pro bono. Your actual work is in the human rights and the children activism and other laws. Parinder ji, like I told you, jisnu pata hona chahida hona pata. The first time this thing came out, I'm doing pro bono, when Sukhvir Badal said I have charged heavy fees. At that time, the, uh, I had to say that show me a check of a single rupee, what to talk of the, uh, the lakhs. That I time, the people that, that was after 30 years of I my know. doing this. Why should I keep on going telling uh, telling the people about it? So, Fulkaji, just for our audience, some of them may not understand uh, Punjabi, uh, but our sentiments come out in Punjabi. I fully understand it. What uh, Mr. Fulka is appreciating is that I'm doing this in the name of the divine. You know, this idea of in Sikh conception of divinity, we talk about a Kalpork, the Koankar or the one. So he's saying I'm not doing it because of a particular things in the Sikh affairs or the Sikh political affairs but I'm keeping the one in mind and that inspiration is what's helping me get through some of these uh, legal battles as well as the political battles, which becomes blockades in these. Fulkaji, this is a good segue. Actually, I want to ask you uh, a little bit of a different question. How do you understand this relationship between different avenues of responses and recon reconciliations related to 84? More specifically, what I mean to say, what is the importance of interviewing, archiving, and documenting in relation to uh, in relationship to the legal pursuit of justice. Uh, how can we understand these things as a constellation of healing and justice to be pursued simultaneously? You see, first of all, these all documents and which, uh, uh, which documentation which was available. Fortunately, we got uh, our hand on all the official records during uh, uh, the Nanavatik mission. This was 20 years back. And thanks to you and thanks to Dvinder and the Punjab Digital Library, that over 2 lakh pages which have been digitized, and that record is not available now anywhere, but it is available with Punjab Digital Library. Now, the, that at least it has been preserved. That has all the official record which will show that what was happening in the, uh, in the government, and it has all the affidavits of the victims, which uh, which were given immediately after this uh, after the after this uh, genocide so the first account that that is available there and this is very very necessary in the history that record uh, will be studied and now also this website when we made the carnage84.com 
many universities has uh, students in the universities have prepared their thesis and written the papers on the basis of that record. Well, thank you for sharing that. So this is part of the continuous process as well as you're saying. They 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 they're not only just for the legal purposes. There are purposes for maintaining not evidence and then eventually uh, academic pursuits, documentaries, and other things uh, which provides evidence for these and documentations. Pulkaji, I want to focus. I want to shift our focus towards the end of our conversation now. From here onward, you know, this is uh, we are in 2023 now. And so far, we've been talking about our understandings for last 39 years. So you're a lawyer in India and politicians, and as a lawyer, the politicians in India, they keep using the term riots for massacre, pogrom, or genocide. I want to ask you, how would you frame 1984 for Indians so they don't keep referring to it as riots? Is it just ignorance or is it intentional? And why does this language matter? You see, in, uh, I, I told you in uh, all the records from 1985 onwards, we have been mentioning it as carnage mm -hmm. and then it then as genocide. Uh, there's one term, some term sometimes become popular. So the rats have, uh, the term has become popular. So many times the people who uh, otherwise believe this is a genocide, but while talking about it, uh, they, they call, call it a riot. I think it, it is uh, merely in the conversation calling it a riot, it doesn't lose the significance of genocide. We shouldn't have become too touchy of it. Somebody has called it a riot, otherwise he's talking uh, 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 against it. He's, he's asking, the, demanding the punishment for the guilty. And merely he has mentioned riot, it doesn't mean we should be very touchy. The point is everybody is convinced now that it's a genocide. Now, even uh, I told you, even in the government records, many times it's been mentioned it's a genocide. Right. The, it's uh, Fulkaji, what has happened is there are many studies coming out from a psychological perspectives, uh, as well as documentation perspective, legal perspectives as well. Uh, obviously, you are in the field. I fully understand what you're saying. You even mentioned how there has been an evolution to adopt the word genocide within India as well. But the Anytime there is a conversation in 84, even currently in media, sometimes you can understand politicians and lawyers saying this because of the precedence within Indian systems. But when they're talking about in the current realities, the usage of the term riot, uh, it seems to be not getting, especially by the media personalities and the TV talk show hosts or people who are writing editorials, it is an issue which has been brought up multiple times in the last five years. Hence, I asked this question. You see, most of the time when you see if today, if today some TV is uh, uh, showing a program on on this 84 genocide, so it is, he is doing it for the purpose of um, highlighting the issue. He is doing it for the purpose of punishment to the guilty. I mean, today if somebody is doing it, he is doing a favor to us, I should say it. But merely that he is mentioning it a right, it doesn't mean that we uh, just condemn it, we drop it. Many times they shoot, sometimes they say it is actually a genocide, but then again start saying right, 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 right. So you see the intention of the person. Right. That's what I'm saying. We shouldn't be too touchy about the term. You right. see the intention of the person. A person say it's not actually a genocide. Then if he says the right, right again, it doesn't mean that he is trying to say that it was not a genocide. Well, intentionality obviously matters, but that is not yes. the end of it. But I fully understand your point that many a time it is the language limitation and what the cultural limitation is. But it is very important for us to acknowledge that this is not an accurate term. By using this term, there is a diminishing that it was a two-sided attack. Uh, moving on to, on the again, on the legal perspective, I want to stay there. What's your anticipation from the, uh, the current administration and the state's courts what do you expect? What else can be achieved? You see, there are a few things which need to be done, which can only be done by the law enforcement agencies, by the prosecution, which is uh, under the government. Like mm -hmm. only today we had a meeting and uh, the general secretary of the Gurdwara committee was here and he wanted me to, he wanted to ask that uh, uh, what are the things which need to be done, like in the in one case, uh, there are four cases against Sajjan Kumar. 
in one case he is given life imprisonment he is in the jail even the bail has been rejected in the second case he has been acquitted in that case we have to file the appeal so uh, to, to make the cbi file the appeal to uh, engage the senior advocate to argue that appeal from the cbi from victims it's okay we'll do it but from the cbi then some other cases which are pending then in titler case against uh, again the uh, to engage the senior advocate to represent the cbi so these are the various things which uh, which uh, the, the government can uh, uh, only government can do so we uh, i'm we are pushing it through the when i am telling this uh, the delhi superintendent of management critics and you have a good relation with the government so please try to get it done and this is what they had come here to understand today that what all they can demand and what can they do so that's from the administration perspective what what can you share from the courts perspective uh, in your experiences also in future in terms of there have been conversations about obviously the criminality of the courts as well or criminalization of those and the supreme court of india and the courts in india in last 5 years have been talked about in many different contexts as well what what is your expectation from the courts in india now you see the point is this and now the courts have also realized the court uh, earlier earlier the when we have seen till uh, about uh, uh, i mean 5 6 years back it was that uh, 30 years have passed 32 years have passed there there's no use of talking about this now but in 2018 when the chief justice of india appointed this a fresh sit hmm. that changed the whole scenario right and and you see one thing I mean, it's not that i am uh, somehow uh, uh, trying to project myself or say but i tell you what i feel what weighed in his mind when i resigned as a leader of opposition to do these cases of 84 that again it this was carried this news was carried carried by all the national newspapers on the front page that here is somebody who has given up a minister status to do these cases mean after that the chief justice in the open court said the community is still feeling hurt so it again brought the issue of justice of mm-hmm. 1984 genocide that into into focus into mainstream when the chief justice appointed this fresh sit that changed the whole scenario right so now that 34 years have passed 30 years have passed that is that the thing of the past now the court is taking up these cases as if as of these are current cases this is what uh, is happening now ulka ji uh, as you have been talking about and you yourself have been part of the politics as well and i want to bring in the whole political angles to these things in the current scenario five of the indian states are going into elections in november december of this year and as you rightly mentioned already that kapil nath who for our audience he is the chief minister aspirant from madhya pradesh is contesting from his home constituency uh, and the bjp leader kalash uh, raised the issue of nath's involvement in 1984 and tasik programs in new delhi as well and witnesses and journalists have attested to it as you also mentioned uh, near gurdwara rakabganj when he was instructing but he has never been formally charged for the crime so whether bjp benefits from raising this issue or not they are certainly a blot on the indian national congress uh, which it has not watched in last 39 years so hearing from another leader uh, jagdish titler in apol bangash case are in the progress and the courts as well as you just mentioned meanwhile uh, congress in delhi is holding a big outreach in sikh dominated areas uh, congress president arvinder singh lovely is expected to preside over 300 400 of those big and small meetings until december so one such meeting did already take place last week uh, on october 22nd but did not see a big turnout so inc's overtures and sikh responses one part of the story the mood issue is the denial of justice and with nath leading the congress campaign in madhya pradesh six continue to be denied justice over 1934 i'm i'm setting this up because all this has happened in last two weeks again so in this current scenario as a uh, somebody who understand politics of delhi of punjab of india what can the bj national the aap and the shromani akali they really do you see i am very clear in my mind i want the people the prominent people the political parties 
to raise the issue of 1984 genocide and to raise the issue that the justice has not been done. Now, whatever is the purpose, whatever is the object, I am least concerned about it. They may say, what, whatever may be their object, whatever may be the purpose, I want this issue to be raised, to be raised and again and again, because justice has not been done. So as far as this, this is concerned, now, uh, who, whose loss and whose benefit is, I am not bothered about. Right. I mean, are and you are, and you've been very clear about this. Uh, my ask is, I was setting up the scenario because a lot of this stuff is happening in the last two weeks. And anytime the anniversary comes of 1984, uh, these kind of situations and these kind of scenarios are seen. And we are at the eve of 40th anniversary right now. So my question wasn't, who's going to win or lose in what scenario? That is the politics of the larger context. What I might ask was, what do you think can the Sikh political parties, the Indian political parties of which are active in Delhi and India and Punjab, what can they really do in this? How can they really help? Well, keep, keep on demanding this. Wherever you get an opportunity, raise the issue. I'm not saying that uh, that you go for a, a, one party, you go for other party to, I mean, you see, if I'm saying, if I'm saying if uh, the BJP has helped, then the CPM has also helped. So and, this is what the so fact has the Congress when you mentioned in certain cases, uh, all the in compensation of the radius. So but, uh, that that is right. So the point is, as far as I am concerned, you see, uh, I feel that uh, I'm so closely, in fact, connected with this issue. So mm -hmm. whatever I say, it will have impact on the issue. I am right. very clear in my mind. Now I tell you one thing. I feel it was my biggest mistake of joining politics. Mm -hmm. It was my biggest mistake. I was taking the help of all political parties, all non-Congress political parties, even the CPM, even the uh, Lalu Prashad Jadav, Malayam Singh Jadav, DMK, even uh, this TDP, all, we were taking help of all of them. Mm -hmm. My joining by one political party, mean, that had, in fact, had a negative impact on this campaign because I couldn't go to anybody else. But after leaving that politics, now again, I, uh, I go to all political parties and I want them to raise it. And a political party will raise only if they find that uh, they have to gain something, let them gain. As well, thank the you, issue you. of 1984, justice to the victims, justice has not been done, done. Great injustice with the victims and the sex, that has to be raised again and again. That is my, my purpose. Well, thank you for your reflection on this. Uh, essentially, what you are saying is that remaining non-aligned politically is the way to continue forward. And your ask is same of all political parties regardless of what else they might be. So that I'm saying for a person who is the main person connected with the issue. Right. If a person, it's 84, I'm connected. If somebody is connected with the issue which has the large scale impact uh -huh. and, and, and which needs the support of the various different kind of the parties and different kind of uh, uh, the, uh, the groups, that person, it's necessary that he should remain non-political so that he can talk and take the support of everybody for that cause. Thank you. And actually, you know, you mentioned something at the very onset today, so I'm going to bring this head on. Uh, and again, this has happened in last month. And this is, a, you know, these are the realities we are dealing with and we are observing. Uh, Mrs. Gandhi, you mentioned, was uh, is the version person who planned this. So on October 1st and 2nd, Rahul Gandhi visited Darbar Sahib, what we popularly call Golden Temple, but as an ordinary pilgrim. On the first evening, he performed seva by offering water to devotees, and then he listened to some Shabbat Kirtan, and then he took part in uh, traditions of Palki seva. Next day, he sat with women and peeling vegetables and serving rotis everywhere. In the evening, he performed seva at Jodakar as well. But SGPC, it extended all the cooperation to Gandhi's visit as well, but did rake up the 1984 and his grandmother. And at that time, SGPC General Secretary said, there can be no repentance or healing touch until the questions are not answered. Fair enough. But many Sikh scholars welcome the visit, upholding the fact that it is not in the Sikh principles to blame someone for the deeds of his parents or family or 
grandmother in this case, uh, devotee has a right to enjoy the hospitality of the institution of the guru. But the timing on the visit, when Sikhs are under pressure in India, including with what's happening in Canada, uh, this is being appreciated because Gandhi did not make any political statement, Rahul Gandhi, that is. So how is the 1984 going to be positioned, not just in elections, but in the conversations where our idea of justice and forgiveness is intric uh, intricately linked? Uh, because it is Rahul Gandhi is a grandson of Mrs. Gandhi. How do you see this scenario? You see somebody going to Dharwar Sahib, somebody been criticizing him for something. I mean, I, I don't see uh, this is uh, this is proper. So I have not made any statement on that. And I I have always said that I don't blame Rahul Gandhi for what his father, uh, father or grandmother did. But I blame Rahul Gandhi today for giving the, the plum positions to Kamal Nath. But that does not mean if he's going to Dravarsa, we stop him, we start criticizing. And I really appreciate that uh, the LGPC uh, uh, has facilitated the visit and that's what their duty they should. Mm -hmm. and, and that's exactly, I think there is an element of somebody going as a person and then somebody if he, he is in charge of certain things, looking at the policy matters, and you have rightly brought up that point, where are the things in the policy matters if there's a genuine reconciliation effort being made with the community? Ulkaji, uh, I am uh, uh, towards the tail end of it, and I, at the end, I wanna ask you something as a Sikh. Now, I've been asking you as a lawyer, I've been asking you as a activist and a politician and pursuing all these things, but I do wanna ask you as a Sikh, what is your ask from the fellow Sikhs, whether they live in Punjab, whether they live in what I keep calling Inspora now, which means Sikhs outside of Punjab, but in India, as well as in diaspora? What do they need to reflect on? You see, the, the, the men, uh, particularly the diaspora has always been a great support to this. And uh, so I'm really grateful to everybody for that and uh, uh, keep up the sport like uh, you have been doing in the past. That's all I, I would say. And moreover, uh, I mean, I am very clear in my mind, whether uh, somebody like it or somebody do not like it, I mean, uh, I have to pursue it. I take it as my life's, this life's mission mm -hmm. and I carry on with this. And I, those who support me, I really, I'm grateful, thankful to them. And those who may not like it, please, this is your uh, your own opinion, your own views. Well, that's kind of you. Uh, you know, this is also uh, 40th anniversary is coming next year of 1984. What do you think should be the focus for the next decade? And how can the six contribute uh, towards the 40th anniversary? You see, as far as I am concerned, we will keep on pursuing these cases. There are many cases still pending. I mean, my focus is only to pursue pursue those, those cases. And uh, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm not telling the uh, telling the the general sakes that you uh, always talk about eighty four. I mean, those those who are assigned this job, those who are assigned something, some duty of that, they should do it. But otherwise, uh, uh, the whole community should progress. I mean, I have never uh, uh, criticized those six who, have, who vote for Congress. I've never criticized the six who are in the Congress. You know, in, in, in the uh, Punjab, the six who are in the Congress, I have been taking their support for the purpose of SGPC to clean the SGPC, to take SGPC out of the, uh, the political clutches. So as far as that is concerned, now, the only thing is that 40th anniversary, the 39th anniversary or 40th anniversary, I do not know whether uh, I, I'll be there to see 50th anniversary, I may be there to see the 60th anniversary, but uh, we should not give up. Just mm -hmm. because those culprits are, have been so powerful, they have been able to scuttle the justice, they have been able to now uh, not give the justice till now, so we should just forget because of the passage of time. I don't believe in this. 
Well, I will interpret what you are saying. I'm remembering uh, a couple of shabas from Guru Granth Sahib. One of them, for example, the line is "Pura Nyao Kare Kartar," that the the Creator administers the complete justice. We are only agents of justice. You have been an incredible agent of that justice in a particular way, pursuing it for last 39 years in the courts in Delhi. So thank you for doing that. And the other element which you have mentioned, the the lines which are coming to me are that. That my alliance is with the one light, the Hari. So what you are essentially said is, and that's my interpretation of it, that make alliance with anyone who's help, who will help you uh, go after the perpetrators of 1984 and bring them to justice. So where that alliance needs to be, we need to all pause whether we live in Punjab or in India, in Delhi or in diaspora. Don't look at just the labels of the political parties and their officers look at who's helping you actually pursue that justice. Ulkaji, uh, thank you for your relentless pursuits of justice. And for all justice seekers, uh, we acknowledge your valuable and pro bono uh, contributions. And for all, and thanks to all of you, our listeners. If you would like to know more of the story of Mrs. Ulka, he co-wrote a book with Manoj Mitha on this, When the Tree Shook Delhi, and it's available to everyone. You can uh, buy that and read up more on it. You can follow Mr. Fulka on social media channels. He is actively pursuing it this week, today, as you heard, and he'll continue to pursue it. His goal is to go after the perpetrators of 1984. Gurpate and good day. You were listening to Sick Cast by Sick Research Institute, illuminating every path.